So continuing this morning and today with the cultivation of samadhi, gathering the energies of the mind, the thinking mind, the body, and the citta, the heart, into awareness, into this attentiveness, mindfulness, presence, training, mindfulness and attention in regard to the energies of body, mind and heart. Using, as I uh, encouraged last night, the cultivation of these skills, these jhana factors, the skill in cultivation of attention, learning to little by little, encourage attention here, mindfulness here, through the skillful use of thought. Taking a thought like, how is it now? What are you present with now? Usually, before we come into contact with the reality of now, we're already projecting how it should be how we think we should be, how we think the room should be, how we think others should be. So it's very hard to connect with what actually is because we live through the prism, the mind's prism, the mind's projection of what should actually really be happening. And of course it never is quite what it should be, if you've noticed. Once one of the monks training with Ajahn Chah in Thailand had a very um, bad, he'd had a very bad accident when he was younger and it meant that he had to later in his life have an operation on his knees which meant he couldn't sit cross-legged in the hall in Thailand. And when the great premium is put on your ability to sit cross-legged as a, a monastic in that situation. So he felt very upset about this. And when he was recovering from his operation in hospital, he was in plaster casts and laying down on the bed and concerned that he would never be able to sit cross-legged again. He'd have to be the monk sitting in the armchair. And he didn't go with his image really, of of what a good meditator should be. So he's feeling miserable, and then Ajahn Chah came to visit him. And he said to Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Chah, I shouldn't be like this. shouldn't be like this. And Ajahn Chah leaned over and said, well, if it shouldn't be like this, it wouldn't be like this. There's a certain level. We do what we can to make the situation optimum. We cultivate what we can to heal, to encourage positive, to encourage mind, to cultivate these skills. But there's also a dimension of reality where we have to accept how it is, what we're working with, or how the body is today, how the mood is today. Maybe we'd like to be really inspired and uplifted, but we just feel a bit grumpy and resistant. So this invitation, using a thought like, how is it now, invites attention to come into relationship with our experience without creating an extra unnecessary complication around the actuality of our experience. 
And this is first jhana factor, bringing, using a thought to bring and sustain attention over and over again, coming to the breath, being here and now. How is it now in the body? Thoughts like this, or buddho, bud on the inhalation, to, dho on the exhalation, using a mantra or phrase to help steady in the moment and to help gather the mental energies that are usually flying off in all sorts of directions. So not trying to just cut off thought, but giving the mind some kind of thought to work with. And then leading into this second factor as we come into contact with our experience here and now beginning to receive this vichara. Receive, how is it? How is it to actually be with the body and the breath? Receiving the sense, we've been exploring, receiving the sensations of the body. Receiving the actual feeling of the breath. Sometimes the mind can just go breathing, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in. <laughs> but we're not really, we lost connection. We think we're doing the practice while we're still thinking about this and that and the other. The mind very, very tricky. <laughs> so it's actually this vichara keeps coming into what's the experience. And this is where the, 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 the mind starts to be, develop this interest, starts to catch the practice. Interest arises. The interest, there's some energy. And then also the vichara, the second, the second factor helps us adjust. It gives us information. Relax a little more. Extend a little more energy. Adjust the body. Adjust the attitude. So that we can keep some sense of well-being and sustaining of the practice. And then learning to deepen even further into this third and fourth factor, pity and sukha. Learning to actually not only have interest, but really begin to savour and taste. It's almost like taste. Pity is this sense of savouring our experience. Feeling the breath, savouring, staying connected with. And as we stay connected with sensation, breath, feeling tone, what starts to be generated from this stabilizing of attentiveness within the body and mind is the, the awareness of the mind itself starts to fill the body, fill the mind. This is, and this is very pleasant. It starts to harmonize the energies of the body and mind, starts to stabilize and integrate them. Helping us to deepen into this sukha, this, this pleasure, this ease, being at ease, learning to relax, be at ease. So this samadhi isn't built or isn't, you can use striving to help direct the mind, but that it can't be sustained on an energy of just will and, and, and striving. At some point it will become 
your experience, the energy will become too um, um, brittle. It's not an easefulness. So samadhi has to have some ease in it if it's going to be a, a true or deep samadhi. Using, subtly using effort not to get somewhere but to be more fully here. More fully here. And then naturally as these factors start to, to be cultivated then this uh, the the last factor the ekagata, chitta which means the mind becomes unified, body, mind, breath becomes infused with awareness, becomes a whole, pleasing, abiding. We we have the the um, conditions in place to bring the fruit of a pleasing, abiding, and the mind begins to clarify in order to be able to see the mind in samadhi, unified mind, clear mind can begin to reflect on the reality of our experience. It has some power. So a thought or a worry or a concern that comes that would usually completely wrap us up and overwhelm us, instead there's the ability to see, ah, this is worry or this is anxiety and then one can work appropriately with that with some main, while maintaining one's balance, one's well-being, one's gatheredness. So the samadhi builds gradually just dependent on these factors and dependent just on this moments of mindfulness, moments of being here, moments of being present and supporting our moments of being present, moments of mindfulness, is the quality of energy and effort we bring to this practice. So I'd just like to say a few words about that, to explore adjusting the effort and energy that we apply. Often we'll bring the habits that we have in our everyday life, how we get through our life, the kind of energy we use, we'll bring that into meditation. And, that, and the imbalances in our energy body will show up. And that's good because we can get to know what they are and, and then apply the practice in a way that we can start to cultivate more balance. For example, if, we, if we're very driven and goal-orientated, ambitious in our lives, which is nothing particularly wrong with that necessarily, but when we, if we imply that, apply that same energy in the meditation, looking for a goal or trying to get somewhere all the time, then we'll tend to, if, there's no, if that's not done skillfully and consciously, and with some balance, it's, there's no problem aiming for a goal, but if we just do that in a way that overrides this deeper abiding here and now, then we'll tend to get results where we start to feel frustrated, or we'll feel a failure, or we'll get tightness in the energy body, we'll get headaches, we'll sabotage ourselves with the feeling of, well, I'm not doing good enough. 
And often what's, what's happening is we're not really looking at the connection with the application of our attitude and energy and effort and how that's giving rise to the results that we might be experiencing. So if, we, if we're very sort of willful, controlling and so on, we might want to, rather than trying to then project that energy onto this more complex system of the energy of the body, moods of the mind. We have to develop some skill working. Our body and mind are very complex systems. We can't just sort of beat them into submission. <laughs> you will be mindful <laughs> and concentrated. <laughs> doesn't, you know, it's a sort of uh, a short-term strategy really. Yeah, there is, the Buddha did say there is a place for strong use of will, but it's not a long-term strategy. So we might, if that is our tendency, we might just need to focus more on just letting be, on the out-breath, on letting go, on bringing more spacious, on bringing more patience, and being more content with smaller results, if one's looking for results, with smaller, you know, um, goals. Or just drop the goal. Just drop the goal. And have the goal be, rather than somewhere else, be more being here. How is it now? And and accepting and opening and softening around receiving. So the vijara, the receptive aspect of the the second jhana factor, is where you might want to focus more. It's more receptive, more opening. But if we're imbalanced in the other direction, where it's very hard for us to get going, and we just sort of waft along, we don't really have much directiveness, we wait for others to make decisions and direct us, we get, you know, we just daydream a lot, um, we feel, we, it's very easy for us to get collapsed in our energy body, in our effort, oh well, can't do it. So we, we, we um, very easily become overwhelmed and sabotaged by the inner patterns of hopelessness or anxiety or the things that worry us a lot. If we procrastinate, uncertain. Then what we might, then we'll bring some of that into our meditation. And sometimes as meditators we can, we can get sort of reasonably comfortable and then we just sort of hang out in these sort of candy floss states. And we haven't quite got, don't put enough energy to deepen. We can do it, but we just, you know, we're just like, oh, just sort of riding along. So then we might, you know, if that's our tendency, we suffer a lot of confusion and doubt. And it's actually useful to learn to apply the skills of cultivation of samadhi. This will help a lot to focus, to learn to focus, and to actually then be someone that does set a goal, but set a goal that one can attain. For example, five breaths. And then sort of, you know, sometimes I do that. I just count them on my fingers 
Can I just be with five full breaths? Okay, three full breaths. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't really matter. It's more about the sense of setting a goal that you can attain and really focusing and learning to adjust your effort so you can feel into the process of applying yourself to some goal. Can I be fully with one mindful breath and really feel the fullness of the inhalation and the fullness of the exhalation? And if I'm just sort of hanging out and wafting around in my candy floss state, can I open my eyes and really feel a bit more chi, a bit more energy in the application of bringing a bit more effort? So, so you can get the sense of how we can adjust the kind of energy and effort we put into our practice to bring, which will condition to some extent the, 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 the experience, the fruit, the results. And sometimes we might be a bit of both, you know, and so we might need to adjust, you know. Sometimes we're very, they actually go together sometimes. <laughs> the imbalance would be very all over the place and suddenly a great act of will and then collapse you know so so this is a huge area it's not just about meditation but in our life takes a a, you know a lot of mindfulness isn't about judging but it's about noticing and as we become more aware naturally these things will also start to come into balance our energy body will begin to to balance more just through the sheer power of our awareness noticing, but we can help that, help find that balance, you know, on the, on the scale of exploring, putting a, a, a lot of effort for a while, or releasing out of too much efforting, effortlessness is okay, is also good, what's that like just to, when, the, when there's a real sense of stability, just being out of this deeply, more deeply rest doesn't need any effort then. So it's not really about sometimes you hear these teachings, oh, you should never make any efforts. That's not the Buddha's teaching actually. Yes, it's true on some profound level. When you try to make an effort, you're already trying to get somewhere and so on. But there is, was a huge amount of encouragement to explore this factor of the Eightfold Path of right effort, right energy, finding it's not right so much, summer virya, virya to do with our vitality. Summer means, is the root actually of the word, it's translated as right, which I think is quite misleading, is actually summer is more like a pitch being in tune when you hear the sound of a bell, and it's just really a lovely sound or note. It's about being in tune, being balanced. That's the feeling of samma, samma virya, when the energy, effort, there's a balance there, there's, there's a kind of alertness and a relaxation. So today we have an opportunity to explore applying some of these skills to support, you know, know, the the Buddha said, when our effort is balanced, it's like, it's another image he gave, it's like a lute. String isn't too tight, isn't too loose, just 
instrument of the body-mind is in harmony. So exploring that, exploring and, and not, you know, if we feel ourselves collapsed or driven or it's not about judging that, but this is information. It's just giving us information so that we can sense how to balance. And all of this map boils down to really the simple activity of just again and again, just noticing how is it now, being with the breath, being with the body. And today I also like to encourage us, as we're with the breath and the body, to move a little bit more into the territory of the second foundation of mindfulness, which is beginning to also notice feeling, which we have already, of course. You can't notice body and breath without beginning to notice all the foundations of mindfulness are appearing. But just beginning to notice feeling tone more, the sensation and connect with sensation is feeling. Feeling pleasure is, is the feeling in the, in the training of the second foundation of mindfulness, just noticing is it's a pleasant feeling rather than, oh my God, I can't believe I'm so devastated because of this and that and the other has happened to me and it's insoluble and I don't know what to do. Is it pleasant or unpleasant? <laughs> it's very dispassionate. It's just saying, well, in the mix of all of that huge drama, if I actually feel into it here and now and locate the sensation and the feeling tone, yes, it's unpleasant. So you can just say unpleasant feeling. It's not a denial of the big story, but it's just getting some perspective at that level. It's very, very helpful. Or one gets very calm and gathered, and there's a lot of buoyancy, the pity, the sense of sukha, happiness, well-being. And we go, yes, this is it. This is just going to always be like this. And don't ring that bell. (coughs) Don't cough and don't disturb. And is it pleasant or unpleasant? You know, rather than their mind trying to hold on, pleasant feeling. So you begin to get a sense of where that way of framing our experience, it's one way, there are many ways we can frame, begins to allow for a little bit more of a deepening of our balance. Pleasant, unpleasant, we're going to today experience the whole range from pleasant to unpleasant. So I'm just encouraging you today to notice that. Not only the sensation in the breath and the embodied work that we're doing mindfully, but just to also notice feeling contact through the senses, feeling that emerges from the internal contact of our inner material, our psychodynamic material. Is it pleasant or unpleasant? Or neutral, sometimes we don't quite know, can't quite discern, like the breath. In a certain way it's just quite neutral. It's interesting, the breath, being with the breath. It's such a profound meditation because it's so intimate. It takes us into a real depth of intimacy of our experience. And yet it's completely impersonal. You know, it's got no qualitative, personal attributes. 
So it's something in um, Zulu, the word moya for breath means spirit, as it does in many other languages. And it's a bit like that. It has this great intimacy, the most intimate thing, and yet it's, it's impersonal, and we share it, we all share it. Without this mysterious breath that's breathing us, we wouldn't be alive. Nothing would be alive. So the most ordinary thing that we completely ignore is the most magical and the most mysterious. So let's give it some attention today and let it guide us and deepen our journey back home, back to our original nature, which is always here, inviting, calling, revealing to us its peace, its luminosity, its unshakability, its timelessness, its mountain-like immovability. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.